We're going to be spending the most of our time today in Luke 15. So if you want to turn there or get your phone out or tablet or whatever, So as you're uh, getting there, uh, what we're going to be talking about as we continue this, uh, you know, second week in this series talking about toxic thoughts, is, is we're going to be processing through a little bit this morning, talking about identity. Um, this, this whole concept of like, what is our identity or what is your identity? Uh, to kind of sum it up very quickly and simply and easily, identity is simply the characteristics that we believe define who we are. Right, so your identity is basically, what is it that makes you you? Like, who am I? What are the characteristics that define who you are as a person? Okay? And, and so when we think about identity, we're going to be processing through this on how there, there's this idea uh, or this understanding that there's an identity that the world gives us, living in this world, being part of this world. There's an identity that the world gives to us, but then there's also an identity that God gives to us. And the biggest issue is, whether we realize it or not, most people... See, here's the thing. We don't put a lot of thought into this, but it's there. And that's why it's toxic, because it controls us, whether we realize it's controlling us. Most people spend most of our lives, most of our days, living out of the world identity. And we have to fight many times to even comprehend or to understand or to recognize... The identity that God has given to us. Right? So it really comes down to this. I live who I believe I am. Right? It's as simple as that. Who I believe I am, that's the life that I'm going to live. Whatever identity I focus on, whatever identity at the moment is what's feeding my thought process, my outlook, my actions, whatever it is, I'm going to live out who I believe that I am. And again, we don't put a lot of thought into this. I think this happens, it just happens very naturally. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about what identity is actually driving the decisions that I'm making and the outlook that I have in life and, and the way that I'm treating people and, and, and every aspect of who I am, right? What's dictating my life? Who am I? See, here's the, here's the thing that we need to understand about the power of our identity. What I believe about myself... The identity that I choose to believe about myself will affect how I behave and it will affect how, what I achieve in life. So basically, whatever reality or whatever identity I'm living out, that's going to become my reality. Right? Whatever identity that I'm living, it's going to become my uh, uh, reality eventually, whether I realize it or not. Uh, as I was kind of processing through this, one of the things you think about is, is let's say, and, and let's go negative for just a moment, but let's say a person has, uh, throughout their lifetime, maybe when they were younger or whatever it is, they just had these constant messages of you're a failure. You're a failure. You're a failure. Man, it doesn't even have to be constant. You could hear that one time and it just takes root deep down inside you. You're a failure. Right? Never amount to nothing. You're never going to accomplish anything. And all of a sudden, if that becomes my identity, I'm a failure, right? I'm going to start living that out in my life. That's going to become my reality. Even if it's not true, it's going to become my reality because I'm going to start seeking the tendencies 
of a person that believes that they're a failure. So if I believe that I'm a failure, if that's my identity, and then God gives me an opportunity or, or life gives me an opportunity, my tendency is I'm going to come to that opportunity and I'm already going to be thinking of all the ways I can't do it because I'm just a failure anyways. And now I'm, I'm seeking the, the, the tendencies of a person that fails all the time. Maybe I start procrastinating all the time, or I don't put any effort into anything, or I shield myself, or I hide myself, or I don't step out, and all of a sudden that feeds into my actions. I stop stepping into opportunities that are placed in front of me because I say, well, there's no sense even trying because I'm just going to screw it up anyways. Why should I even attempt to do something different? I'm just going to screw it up anyways. I'm just a failure anyway. And when I start living out those actions, then there's going to be the natural consequences. The consequences of the depression that might come from, oh, man, I wish I could have done what they did, or, oh, memories of, of all the missed opportunities, whatever it is. And then I'm living out these consequences, and then before you know it, I'm sitting there just reminding myself, well, yep, I see, I'm just a failure. And before you know it, you're in a cycle of living out what you choose to believe about yourself. What you believe about, your, about yourself affects how you behave, and it'll affect what you achieve. But then what you believe about yourself also affects how you relate to other people. It's going to affect how you treat other people, how you react to other people, how you respond to other people. The people that you surround yourself with or the people that you seek out, the way you try to help or uh, impact the lives of those around you, whatever it is, it's eventually going to affect how you relate to other people. And then most importantly, what you believe about yourself is going to affect your relationship with God. It affects the relationship that you have with God. Eventually what we believe about ourselves becomes our reality. Now here's the thing, as we talk about identity, just for a moment, I said there's, a, there's kind of this worldly identity, the identity that the world gives us, and I want us to think about it in two ways. There's a horizontal identity. It's the identity that comes from everything that is around us in this world. And here's the thing, we're all, we all have aspects of this life in this world that's going to be our identity. It's just the way it is. Part of that is, it's like, I'm a father, that's part of my horizontal identity father, I am a husband, whatever it is. This is part of who I am as an individual, but this can't be the core of who I am. And unfortunately, that's what happens is our horizontal identity usually becomes the core of who we are. This is what forms our horizontal identity. There are three aspects to our worldly identity that we fall into or that shapes who we are. The first is we base our identity on what we do. Right? So we base our identity on what we do. We say things like, I can say, well, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a father, I'm a husband. Right? Some might be able to say, well, I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach. Some might say things like, I'm a good athlete, or I'm a soldier, whatever it is. We, we look at what we do to define who we are. We base our identity on the role that we play in the world. The second thing that forms our horizontal identity is what we have, right? This, this is some people, we can fall into the trap of forming our identity based on possessions, 
We see our worth and our value and our identity based on what our house looks like, what our cars look like, the toys that we have, whatever it is. It can be based on possessions, based on our bank account, based on our paycheck. But we can also base this, what we have, on our position in life, meaning we can say to ourselves, my identity is based because I have power. Maybe if we have responsibility in the arena of work or even in the church or whatever it is, we can base our identity like I have power, I have responsibility. We can base our identity on, well, I have this job or I have a good job, so that means something about my identity. We can base our identity on our health, whether positive or negative. We can base all of this on what we have. What I have also found, and this is just a side thing, just for anybody else that might, as I became a parent, I have to watch. Also, we can base our identity as parents sometimes through what we have in our children. And I just want to throw this out there. Let's really don't do that, because that's not fair to your kids. Right? But we can do that, right? We, we start basing our identity on how our children behave and how our, our children act. And if our children are the star a sports player, it makes our identity like, that's my kid. My kid's the, the straight-A student. My kid, or vice versa, my kid's the one that's always in trouble. My kid's the one that's acting crazy in church. I'm a bad parent. Right? We can base our identity on what we have or what we don't have. The last thing that forms our horizontal identity, our worldly identity, is the things that we're taught or the things that are said to us. Basically, it comes down to what other people think about us. See, whether we realize it or not, even in adulthood, all of us carry identity based on even what was said to us even when we were children whether it was from parents or other family members teachers people in the community in the church whatever it is we don't put a lot of stock in this but you would be amazed at how many of us can carry an identity somewhere inside of us that came from the comments of someone else And the truth of it is, is we carry a lot of identity based on what is said about us or what is taught to us through our families. For some, that can be extremely positive and helpful. For some, that's, that's great. I had a wonderful family that was encouraging to me and, 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 and helped me and, and, and spoke positively into me. But other people could say the complete opposite. I can still, you know, people could say, I can still hear the echoes of some of the things that were said to me as a child. And that has formed my identity. See, the reason I want to talk for a moment as we talk about horizontal identity is because it's within the horizontal identity where our enemy wants to work to create lies towards our identity because he knows if, we can, if, he, he can, if he can get us to believe a lie, then we're going to live out that lie. So again, if he can at some point in your time make a part of your identity be, you are 
a failure, or you are worthless, or you are not important, or you will never matter, you will never be good, as good as someone else, you will never have anything to offer, you're a burden. Whatever it is, if he can get us to believe a lie, then we're going to live out that lie. On the flip side, though, there are some aspects of identity, identity that he can get inside of us that are based on lies that seem positive but can ultimately turn negative. Right? Like maybe you were a person that were enc- was encouraged your entire life and, and it built you up that, you know, you, you see an importance in yourself and you see a, 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 an ability in yourself and it makes you, he can twist that in us too where it, it can make us not rely upon God or think that we're better than others or that we are in control of our own destiny or whatever it is. Satan can use identity to even create pride in us that keeps us from being humble before God because He's created a false identity within us. See, it's within the horizontal that He wants to bring toxic thinking into how you see yourself. And again, it's unfortunate. He wins this battle a lot because we don't pay attention to who we believe that we are. See, many times we just live our days and we're so used to it, we never pay attention to who we truly believe that we are. But that's the horizontal. But God, when we become believers in Jesus, when we receive the gospel, when we are transformed into a new person, God wants us to base our identity vertically. See, horizontal is all about what's around me in the world, but vertically is based on believing who I am based on who God says that I am. See, I wonder how often during the day do we find ourselves focusing, truly focusing and saying, am I living my life? Am I basing my decisions? Am I basing my thoughts on who God says that I am? My vertical identity. Am I basing my identity on what God has done for me? Or again, am I listening to the voices of everything else? Just to give us a moment, think about some of these scriptures. Because this is your identity if you are a believer in Jesus, the core of it. We're going to go a little deeper into what this means, but the core of it. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, he, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. For Christ Jesus, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. These are just three scriptures that tell us the same thing over and over again. Because of Jesus Christ, I am a child of God. Now here's the thing. I can say that with my mouth. But have you ever stopped to really ask yourself, how does that affect your daily life? 
When, when you go to work tomorrow morning, how does your job look different when you walk into it? I am a child of God. How does it look different? Th- think about maybe your attitude towards certain people or situations or fears or doubts, whatever it is. How does those things change? When you filter it through the truth of your identity in Jesus, that you are a child of God, how does that truth impact your actual life? Because it should impact everything. That's the core of everything. It should impact every decision I make, every television show I watch, every word that comes out of my mouth, every way I spend my time, spend my money, how I treat my kids, how I treat my wife, how I do my job, what I think. Everything should filter through an identity that I am a child of God. That's everything. That's why this morning I want to take a little bit of time and I want to process through and look at the story of the prodigal son. Because as I was praying through this and thinking about this, and I was thinking about the prodigal son, I see both identities reflected in the story of the prodigal son. I see both a horizontal reaction to that identity and I see a vertical reaction of of the, the relationship that we have with God. So if you're in Luke 15, I'm not going to read the entire story. But I'm going to paraphrase it, and then we're going to look at certain sections of it. So if you don't know the story of the prodigal son very well, it's Jesus is telling this story of a a, a son comes to his father and basically tells his father, "Um, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be part of the family anymore. I want you to give me my money. Give me my inheritance. Uh, Basically, the language here is this son is basically telling the father, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine now that you're living that I would get once you finally die. That's basically what he's saying. I would rather you be dead. Just give me what's mine. And Jesus says in the parable that the the, the father gives the son the money and the son goes off to a foreign country and he goes and enjoys life. He goes and spends the money, he has parties, he has friends, he's enjoying all of this, but unfortunately, sooner or later, the money runs out, the friends go away, the party's over, and the son has to get a job. That's the way my version makes it sound. It says he goes out and hires himself out. What that really means is he sold himself into slavery. This wasn't just he went and and answered a help wanted ad. This wasn't a, oh, I was rich at one point, but now I need to go get a job like a real guy. No, what it was was he went and actually had to sell himself into slavery to be able to survive. And and Scripture tells us that, that he is now out feeding the pigs and and he's so hungry I mean the language here the imagery here is he's so hungry he's starving and and he just wants to eat what the pigs are eating so I mean picture this dad I wish you were dead I'm going to go enjoy my life sells himself into slavery wants to eat pig slop this is where he's at. And Jesus tells us that there's a moment where he comes to his senses. 
And he says to himself, why am I being a servant here? Why am, I, why am I being a servant here? My father's servants, man, they have plenty. Basically what he's saying is, the people that serve my dad, the people that are servants to my father, my father is so much better than they are here. He actually treats them well. If I'm a slave, I'd rather be a slave to my dad. Because at least my dad takes care of his servants. So he says he comes to his senses and he leaves and he heads home. And, and we're going to look in detail of what happens when the father sees. But before we do that, uh, I, I want us to look at the older son. Because I want us to look at the horizontal first. See, the older son is actually a representation of the, the horizontal identity and how it impacts us and how, how we react negatively in all of this and, and how it becomes our reality. So basically, we're going to look in more detail what, what happens when the, when the son gets home and the father receives him. And we'll look at that here in a minute. But what happens is the father receives his son... And, and, and he throws this celebration because his son is home. And then the older son comes home. And, and Jesus tells us the older son, as he's coming, he can hear the party going on. And, and, he, and he calls a servant over. He's like, what's going on? He's like, hey, great news. Your brother's home. Great news. We thought he was dead. He's not dead. Dad, he's throwing a party. Right? He, he, he killed a fat, fattened calf. We're having a party. It says, so meanwhile, while he was in the field, that's what he's saying, and he approaches the house, and he heard the music and the dancing, and, and he calls one of the servants. He's like, what's the deal? He says, your brother's home, safe and sound. Everybody's excited. It says, the older son became angry and refused to go in, so his father came out and pleaded with him. Picture this. There's a big party going on, and he's out sulking outside, Right? He's pouting. He's angry. He's frustrated. But he answered his father. He said, look, all these years I have served you and never disobeyed a commandment of yours, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returns with, from squandering your wealth with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. Right in that statement, you can see the three things that we base our horizontal identity on. Remember, horizontal identity is based on what we do. What's the first thing he says? Look at what I've done for you. I've been a faithful servant to you. I have done everything you've asked of me. He's angry because his identity got squashed a little bit. He's like, I, look at what I do. And identity is also based on what we have. He's like, listen, not only have I done this, yet you've never given me a young goat. So his isn't about what he has. His is about what he thinks he's left out of. You never gave me anything. Look at what I've done. Look at what you're failing to give to me. And then he's focused on what he thinks other people think about him. He says... Man, what do you think my friends are thinking? You never gave me something so my friends could celebrate. And dad, how, listen, this son returns. Obviously, you love him more than you love me. You never threw a party for me. You never celebrated me. 
So he's basing everything about himself on what he's seeing, what he's done, what he thinks he has, and how other people are treating him. And notice what happens. He's angry. And he's distant. He refuses to come into the blessing of the moment. He refuses to come into the fullness of what the Father has for his family in that moment. He could have walked into that celebration and been part of that party, but instead his horizontal identity has been wounded because he wasn't seeing himself the way he truly was. He was seeing himself through this horizontal false reality. And it caused him to be distant from the father. And it caused him to be distant from his own brother. And again, it put him in a place where instead of celebration and joy, there was frustration and anger. See, here's the thing about horizontal identity. The enemy wants us to live there. Because horizontal identity is always shifting. Meaning... It can change in a moment. There's no foundation to it. If my identity is in my job, what happens if tomorrow I don't have the job? If my identity is in what I have, what if I don't have it tomorrow? What if it's taken from me? If your identity is in what people say and think about you, That's great when people are speaking wonderful things about you, but what about when people start speaking against you? See, the enemy wants us to live in the toxic thinking of the horizontal identity because he knows that he can come after us to get us angry and frustrated and hurt and wounded, and and he can keep us distant from what God wants, and we refuse to enter into the blessings that God has for us because we're upset that our identity got wounded. And God's trying to tell us all of this is a lie in the first place. Don't put your identity in this. This isn't what matters the most. This stuff shifts all the time. Life looks different each and every day. Don't base your identity on things that can be taken from you or given to you. Notice what the father says to the son. He says, son. Notice what he starts with identity. Son. He goes back to the core of it. Son. You're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. The the, the father's like, would you stop with this horizontal stuff that's messing you up in your thinking? Son, that's your identity. Son. You're all... Why are you questioning this? All of this was yours in the first place, but you're missing it because you're focusing on these toxic thoughts of your horizontal identity instead of the core your identity is. And can I tell you right now, I think that many Christians, we live a very frustrated and angry and hurt life because we are basing our lives on a false horizontal identity. And God's like, get your eyes off the horizontal and put it on the vertical. So now let's look at the vertical for a moment. 
So this is where the, the, the son comes home that has been away. It says, but while he was still in the distance, so the father, here's, here's the son coming. While the son was still in the distance, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The son declared, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. God, notice what he's saying. God, I, Father, I'm not worthy of the identity anymore. I'm not worthy of the identity anymore. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This morning, I, I want to just walk through this, and I want to give you five things. that say, This is your identity as a child of God. If you have put your faith in Jesus... And this isn't even all of it. This is just five things. This is just part of it. We're just scratching the surface. But if you want to know that you are a child of God, these are five things that are true about you as a child of God based on this reaction that Jesus is saying that the Father, the Heavenly Father, God has towards you as His child when you put your faith in Jesus. First is this. I am loved. Man, that is your identity. You are loved by God. No, notice the response. This is, comes from the response of the father. It says that he was still far in the distance. See, the father was watching, looking for, waiting for. Do you know that if you feel distant from God right now, if you feel separated from God, here's the also thing. If you've never put your faith in God, if you never have your faith in Jesus right now, if that's you and you've never trusted in Jesus, I want you to know that the Father is anticipating and waiting for you to turn to him. He's watching you. He's watching for you. If you are here and you've put your faith in Jesus, but for whatever reason you have lived apart from that, you have not been obedient to him, whatever it is, and you feel distant from him and you feel separated from him, for whatever reason, I'm telling you, the Father loves, loves you so much, he's watching for you. He's watching for you. Notice this again. So it says the Father saw him and filled with compassion. You know, the, the problem is too many people live with, with an identity that they think God just wants to, like, judge them. Like, your identity, you're constantly thinking God is just so angry and frustrated with you that all he wants to do is find a reason. He's just waiting for the one more thing. Just do one more thing, and I'm just going to end this. Just give me one more thing that I can be angry with you about so I can just cast you aside. That's, that's where a lot of our identities put many people. Is God just angry and waiting to judge us? But Jesus is telling us, no, that the Father had compassion, filled with compassion, and then he ran to him. Now, I want you to picture this. This was undignified. The Father is actually doing something very undignified by running to his son. The Father runs to him. And I love how the language says there, threw his arms around him. I want you to picture this. This is like the father. I, I mean, this is what I have in my head. I have the father like just sprinting at, at the son, just sprinting at him as fast as he can. Now, I also picture this because if I'm the son, I'm like, crap, he's going to beat me up. Like, can you picture this? I mean, the son's probably like just kind of getting ready. Like he's just, he don't know what's going to happen. Dad, I mean, he just got done telling his dad before. That's like, 
I, I wish you were dead. He's like, he's mad, right? That's where his identity was. He's mad. And the son's bracing himself for whatever's about to happen. And the father is sprinting at his son. And I just picture this. I don't picture the father just kind of running up and stopping and like, hey, bud, it's good to see you. Like the Bible says he threw his, I almost picture the father tackling his son. Like the father just full out tackles his son and wraps his arms around him and kisses him. Now remember this, this kid's stinky. Like he'd been, he, he'd been with the pigs. He's covered in some nasty stuff. And the father could care less. In fact, what I love about this picture is, is, is the father's running so fast. I kind of picture this as the father's running. And, and in my brain, my identity, if I base it on horizontal stuff, I think like the father, as he's getting closer, he's kind of looking at the kid like, man, he's kind of gross looking. Like, so he slows down a little bit. <laughs> like, he gets a little closer. He's like, man, he's really gross looking. Like, that kid needs a bath. You know, like, I'm picturing, that's horizontal identity gives me all the reasons why the father would not love me. But see, the father, Jesus is saying the father loves us. In the, in the mess, in the nastiness of everything, the father loves us. When we are his children, he loves us. The issue is, is that many of us have allowed our identity to become so messed up that we need to start choosing to allow God to love you. See, unfortunately, many times our identity can get so messed up that we fight even letting God love us. And we don't allow God to embrace us in the compassion that he has for us and to lavish his love on us because for some reason our identity believes that he doesn't. I am loved as a child of God. Not only that, I'm accepted. Right? Because when we see the robe, not only is there this love and embracing him, this is when the father says, listen, um, go get a robe, go get the best robe. Clean him up. Clean him up. Put this robe upon him. This is what I love about this. In, in Isaiah, the prophet tells, God tells this through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has arrayed me in robes of his righteousness. See, the reason this is important is because many of us live with an identity thinking we have to earn God's acceptance. I have to be good enough for God's acceptance. The beauty of this is you don't have to earn God's acceptance because you are accepted in Jesus Christ. He has clothed you with garments of salvation. He has robed you in his righteousness. He has accepted you and covered the filth of everything that came before. See, unfortunately, many of us, we might say it with our mouths, but I want you to ask yourself this question. Just really ask yourself this question. How often do you really feel accepted by God? And I know some of you do, but I also know there's some of you that don't. And I, I'm not asking you what you think. I'm not asking you, like, I, I can say the words. I'm saying, how often do you, can you really say with every ounce of your being, I know, as a child of God, I am accepted. 
No matter what I do, I'm accepted. No matter if I fail or not, I am accepted. No matter the mistakes, I am accepted. No matter if I doubt from time to time, I am accepted. I am accepted not because of myself, but because he has robed me in his righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Is that how you're living your life? Do you wake up every day and live the entire day saying, I am accepted by God? No matter how many times I think I might have failed or screwed up, I'm accepted by God. As a child of God, I'm also valued. It says the Father gives him a ring, right? He entrusted him with a ring, with something extremely important. I want you to realize this. In that time, to give someone a ring like that, what this would have been was a ring that identified, that's my son. That's my kid. Like, the, the son is saying, God, he's saying to the father, God, I'm not, I'm not worthy of the identity anymore. He's like, Father, I'm not, I'm not worthy of the identity anymore. And, and the father says, no, don't even say that to me. Get him a ring because he is valued. This is my child. And I want every single person to know this is my child. See, we end up having an identity at times, or the, the enemy wants us to think we have an identity at times, that God might receive us, but God necessarily doesn't value us. Meaning, he'll tolerate me, but he doesn't want to put me out there like, that's my kid. No, God is saying through this parable that when we put our trust in him and you become his child, he entrusts you with a symbol for the entirety of creation to know your position and to give you authority. Do you know as a child of God that you have been given the authority of a son or daughter of the king? My question is, is do you live in that identity every day? Do you walk in the authority and the position that is yours? Scripture tells us that you have been sealed, sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of your inheritance. That's how valuable you are as a child of God, that God has put a ring on you, and that ring is his very presence, the Holy Spirit that now indwells you. The Holy Spirit is your seal of your position, and he is your seal of your authority. That's how valuable you are. How often during your day do you walk through life Telling yourself, this is how valuable I am. That the God of the universe indwells this. That's who you are. You are the dwelling place of the Most High God. You have been given a position and a symbol of your position, a symbol of your position and your authority. That's what you have been given. This is one of my favorite ones. I mean, these are all great, but this one, and then... As a child of God, you're just, I'm forgiven. And, and we might say that through, okay, well, I've been accepted, I get that, so why doesn't forgiveness part of that? But think about this. The next thing the father gives is he gives the son sandals. Now here's why this is important, because remember this. In that time, it was very common that if you were to sell yourself into slavery, one of the things that would happen so that you would be identified as a servant was you didn't have sandals. Like, that was like a symbol of 
the difference between part of the family and just a servant of the family. So, so for whatever reason, I don't know, I mean, it could have been that. It could have been the kid was just selling off everything he had. Remember, he was like starving to death. He'd been like, I'll give you my shoes for like an apple. But for whatever reason, this kid did not have any sandals on. He had nothing on his feet because of the life that he was living, which was a symbol of the separated life, the identity that he lived apart from his father. And the dad says, go get him some sandals. By putting sandals back on his feet, the father was announcing to everybody once again, he may have, like, like disrespected me. You might think that he doesn't deserve this identity. Those people, those servants could have been like, man, I can't believe he's doing all this after the way he was treated. But the father is saying, put some sandals back on his feet because I'm removing the shame of that old life. That old life don't matter no more. My son may have lived as a slave without me, but now that he's with me, put some shoes back on his feet because I'm changing the status. He's not a servant no more. That's my child. See, I'm bringing this one up as we kind of bring this to a close is because simply this. When you become a child of God, when you put your faith in Jesus, he changes your status from a slave to a child. He removes the shame. But here's the thing. I think there's many of us that are still carrying some shame, even though God says, I've forgiven that. See, the enemy wants you to keep carrying the shame of that old life. He wants you to keep carrying the shame of the mistakes you've made in the past. That's the toxic thoughts he wants you to carry with. He wants you to still see yourself as the person that was still in slavery. He wants to see yourself. That's how he wants you to see yourself. That's your identity. Your identity is what everybody used to say about you. Your identity is how everybody treated you. Your identity is everything you think you can't accomplish in life. Your identity is everything you don't have. That's what he wants you to focus on. Your identity is every mistake you've ever made, every sin you've ever committed. Your identity, remember, he is the great accuser. That's your identity. God's saying, no, it's not. Go get some shoes for my son. I'm wiping away the shame of that old life. I'm changing your status. See, here's the thing. In Jesus, every single one of you are forgiven. The question I have for you to think about is how well have you done at forgiving yourself? Because that horizontal identity wants to keep you trapped in that old way of life. Here's the last one, your identity. I am celebrated. See the last thing the father does? The father, he responds, he gives him a robe, he gives him a ring, he puts sandals on his feet, and then he throws a party because he wants to celebrate his son. That's what Jesus says it ends with, let's celebrate. He threw a feast. Do you realize this morning that if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, that the God of the universe celebrates you? And he doesn't celebrate because of some awesome thing that you have done. He celebrates because he has shown you grace and mercy. It shows how awesome he is. And he celebrates you. 
The Bible says that heaven rejoices when we return to Jesus. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that God actually sings over us. God sings over you. He celebrates his children. This morning, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you know him as your Savior, how often do you live your days knowing that God celebrates you? Here's the thing. I, 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 can, I can understand this more now that I have kids, but now that I have kids, listen, my kids can frustrate me to high heaven. But man, I still celebrate them. I still celebrate them in their mistakes and their failures and the times that they frustrate me. I still celebrate them. Man, God celebrates over you. So this morning, I asked the question, where is your identity? Where is your identity this morning? May it not be in what you do or what you have done, but may your identity be what He has done. Make your identity about what He has done for you. Don't let your identity be in what you have or what you think you don't have, but let your identity be in what He has given you. He has given you. And don't worry about your identity being what anybody else says about you. Only let your identity be what God says about you. That's the core. That's the core. Vertical identity is never based on us. It's never in my control. Vertical identity is all based on Him. So as we close in prayer, I want to give you this. Just something to do until God just makes it so clear to you. If you're here this morning and you are wrestling with, man, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard for me to believe I am loved and I'm accepted and that I'm valued and that I'm forgiven and that I'm celebrated. If it's hard for any of those for you to just grab hold of and live with, if those toxic thoughts are making you think about everything else besides that, do what Scripture tells us to do. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will testify to your spirit that you are a child of God. If you wrestle with this identity, start asking God Every day, every moment, Lord, make this identity real to me. You can't make it real to yourself. Only he, the spirit, testifies to your spirit that you're a child of God. If you're wrestling with this identity, start crying out to God. God, make this identity real. Testify that this identity is real. Let's pray. Father God, we, just, we give you praise and I thank you that my identity is not in all the foolish things that go through my head. Lord, I will, I will acknowledge it. There are so many times I base identity on everything less than what you say. So I, I, I need to pray the same thing. Holy Spirit, testify to my spirit that I am a child of God. Don't ever let me doubt that. Don't, and when I do, <laughs> give me the strength to take those thoughts captive. And bring them under the obedience of Jesus Christ. Lord, you be glorified. You are amazing and awesome. Let us know that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we are valued, that we are forgiven, and that you celebrate us. All for your glory. It's all for your glory, Lord. I pray that no one leaves here without the excitement of wanting to know this identity and living it out on a daily basis. Lord, we give you praise. We love you and we thank you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.